Welcome to Strong Meat for Strong Believers. I'm Pastor Doug Johnson. I want to invite you to join me as we look at the issues facing us today and what God's Word says about them. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, Milk is for babies, but strong meat is for grown-ups who can discern the difference between good and evil. At the end of the broadcast, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this message for yourself. And now, grab your Bible and get ready for another helping of Strong Meat for Strong Believers. In our last study, John saw a completely new heaven and earth. Uh, one of the things he said about the new earth, he said the new earth had no more sea. He said there was no more sea there. Now that's interesting because right now, 71% of the earth is covered by water. And it separates us from many other of the nations and the rest of the world. But in the new earth... There's going to be no separation there. There is no, there'll be no sea there, and we'll all be praising God together. Hallelujah. And God will finally be with his people forever. You know, in the Garden of Eden, the Bible tells us that God and Adam had a close relationship, that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day in the garden, but then man's sin separated him from God. And Jesus died to bring us back into close relationship with God. And our final destination is going to be the New Jerusalem, and that's what we're going to read about tonight in Revelation 21, beginning with verse 9. And verse 9 says this, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names were written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east were three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lies four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal." Now, the new earth is going to be the site of the new Jerusalem. And we see here the new Jerusalem is a real city because we have the exact specifications of it. The angel here, John says, measured the city, and it is four square. It's like a huge cube. It's four square. The height, the width, and the depth of it are exactly equal. It's like a huge cube, meaning that they're all the same measurement. And the measurements of the city... Uh, in the King James, it says it was 12,000 furlongs. Now, depending on what version of the Bible you have, how that translates to us is it's anywhere from 1,400 to 1,500 miles. That's how big this city is. That's the length of it. That's also the width of it. And that's also the height of it. That means the width of it is like driving from Florida to Texas. We're not talking about a country. We're talking about a city. One city driving from Florida to Texas, and the length is like driving from Texas up to South Dakota. 
It would take you 20 hours to drive from one end of it to the other without stopping. That's how wide and how long this city is. And John says the height is also the same and it goes straight up. Now, I want you to imagine this in your mind. The tallest building in the world is less than one mile high. Outer space starts at 62 miles up. So the new Jerusalem is going to stretch into outer space. Hallelujah. Straight up, 1,500 miles. Can you imagine that? No wonder Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Hallelujah, my friend. There's going to be plenty of space for you and I and everybody else in heaven. Hallelujah. Now look at verse 17 of Revelation 21. And he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth, an emerald, the fifth, sardonyx, the sixth, sardis, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, a topaz, the tenth, a chrysoprasis, the eleventh, a jacinth, and the twelfth, an amethyst. So now the angel measures the jasper wall. Now it is clear as crystal, John says, and he measures how thick the wall is, and uh, to translate, verse 1 says it was 144 cubits wide. And translating that, that means it's 70, 72 yards thick. Now you think about this. A football field is 100 yards long. This wall is 72 yards thick. It's almost as thick as a football field is long. That wall is impregnable. It is strong. My friend, nobody can get in unless God lets them in. Hallelujah. And this, this wall is so big, it actually has 12 foundations just for the wall. We'll get to that in just a minute. It's amazing. And John saw the gold in the city. The city it was like transparent glass. Now, that's amazing to me because right now, Gold can be pounded down to within a few molecules thick and placed on a window as decoration, but even then it's not transparent like glass. However, the gold in the New Jerusalem is going to be so pure and so lovely, you'll be able to see right through it. Hallelujah. Only God can make something like that. The wall is so big, it is set on 12 foundations. Now, we just read the 12 foundations. And each foundation is made of a precious stone. Now, I'm going to go down the list again, and I'm going to tell you what color each one of those precious stones represents. And I want you to just imagine your mind what the foundation of this wall looks like. Now, the first one was jasper, and we know jasper is clear like crystal. Then there was a sapphire. That's, that's blue. Sapphire is blue. Chalcedony is a greenish blue. Emerald is green Sardonyx is red and white. Sardius is bright red. Chrysolite is gold. Beryl is a sea green color. Topaz is a yellowish green. Chrysoprasus is apple green. Jacinth is blue. And amethyst is purple. 
What a beautiful sight. Can you imagine all the colors of the rainbow under the jasper wall? Hallelujah. You know, light does amazing things. I mean, you got photons reflecting off of objects at different wavelengths that creates the different colors. And what, we, what John is describing here is everything here is made for light to shine through it. Why? Because who is the light? Jesus is the light. So everything in this New Jerusalem city reflects his light always in a huge, beautiful light show. And it's emanating through the 12 foundations and down the streets of gold. Can you imagine the whole city just lit up? A 1,500-mile lighthouse. Hallelujah. And that's where we're going to be living. Does somebody get hungry for heaven tonight? Hallelujah. My friend, that's what God is preparing for you and I. Praise the Lamb of God. No wonder John said last week that all, all the former things are going to be passed away. We won't remember any of, the good, any of the good or the bad of this earth because everything that God has for us is going to blow our minds. Hallelujah. Look at verse 21 now. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever works abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now John said there are twelve gates to this city. There are three on the north, three on the south, three on the east. And three on the west. And each gate is made of one giant pearl. I mean, if you look at that exit door back there, that's about a seven foot tall door, probably about four and a half feet. So I'm like, can you imagine a pearl that big? But the gates of the city are going to be even bigger than that. I'd hate to meet the oyster that made those pearls, wouldn't you? <laughs> but, you know, God's the one who made that. Absolutely. We don't need no oyster to make that. God made this and he made it for us. And John said there's an angel standing guard by every one of those gates. Hallelujah. And the names of the apostles are there. I'm telling you what. And the gates will never be closed. Why? Because we're home. Hallelujah. And nothing bad's ever going to come in. Ain't no thief going to come in and steal what you got. Everybody's not going to know everybody. I may have Moses by my neighbor. You may have Abraham by your neighbor. You know, we don't know, but it's going to be wonderful. All the saints of God are going to be there. Every child of God, everyone who's ever been saved is going to be there. Hallelujah. And you know what? We won't have to worry about space there either. You want to worry about getting a, a bunk bed and sharing it with somebody? No, no. Uh, John Hagee wrote a book about heaven a couple years ago. And in it, he took the dimensions of what we read here in Revelation. And this is what he said, and I quote, On earth, we measure land by acres, but in heaven, they measure it by miles. If you take the measurements of the city given to us by John, since the city is in the form of a cube, 
Each person would have one-third of a mile of space on each side, north, south, east, and west, to be able to house about 20 billion people. Now, I don't know if that's going to be, if we're going to, I don't know how many people are going to be in heaven, but that gives you a ballpark figure. My friend, you're not going to have acres. You're going to have miles worth of things. You're going to have a mansion. You're going to have a yard so big you can mow it all year long if you want to. Or if you don't want to mow it, just tell God to pave it, some of that gold over there, you know, and just take care of it that way. Now, my honey, that's big because we serve a big God. You know, we put limits on God. We limit God with our minds, and we think, Lord, I, you know this need I have, but, and I know you did it before me, but, Lord, this, is, this one's big. I don't know if you can handle this or not. God can handle it. God can do anything. I said God can do anything. Hallelujah. And you think about it. Jesus saves you. He heals you. He gives you peace. He's coming back to get you. He's going to make you a ruler. He's going to give you a mansion. All of this is just a glimpse of what he has in store for you. Anybody getting homesick for heaven tonight? Hallelujah. No wonder John said, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. My friends, I want to tell you, if you ever start getting depressed and worried, start reading the book, the last two chapters of Revelation. I promise you it'll make you homesick because I think we as Christians need to have more of heaven in our minds than we do earth. Because the more you think of earth, the more depressing it gets. And, and, the, and the more fear and the more worry comes on you. We need to think about our, our real home. This ain't our home. We're just passing through. Hallelujah. The old order of things are going to pass away. Everything is going to be new. You're going to have a new name. You're going to sing a new song in a new heaven and a new earth, living in the new Jerusalem, and it's all for you. Talk about a boost to your self-esteem. He's a good, good father. Yes, he is. And he's preparing all of this for you. Wow. My friend, we've got so much to thank God for. You see, friends, this is why it doesn't matter what people, what people say about you or what they do to you here on earth. It don't matter. All that matters is Jesus is on your side, and he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're just passing through. You've got a better home waiting on you. Hallelujah. Give God a praise tonight if you're ready to go to heaven. Let's go to chapter 22 now. When Adam and Eve were created by God, they were placed in the Garden of Eden. And they were given free reign of the whole garden. You may remember there were two special trees in the Garden of Eden. There was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now Adam and Eve were allowed to eat from every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They did eat from the tree of life. They were allowed to. But Satan tempted Eve through the serpent to disobey God's command, and she ate some of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam was also tempted by Eve to eat the fruit. He ate it too, and God came down. He cursed the serpent for tempting Eve. He cursed Eve for disobeying him, and he cursed Adam for listening to his wife instead of listening to God. And then he thrust them out of the garden and placed an angel with a flaming sword to stand guard to make sure that they didn't go back in the garden and eat from the tree of life. And then after that, the tree of life was transplanted. Let's find out where it went. Revelation 22, verse 1. 
And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruit, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The tree of life was moved from earth to the new Jerusalem, and it is fed by the river of life. Now, I'm sure it was beautiful when it was here on earth, but here on earth, it was fed by earthly waters. It is, it, in heaven, it is fed by the river of life. And you know, you, I can just imagine the effect that the river of life would have on any kind of plant or tree, and especially the tree of life. You've got the tree of life being fed by the river of life, and the river of life comes from the throne of God. You remember when Jesus met the woman at the well, he offered her living water. That if she asked him, he would give her living water and she would never come back to this well looking for this natural water ever again. And so the tree of life, John saw the tree of life. And I want you to notice how big it is. The tree of life is so big, he said in verse 2, it's on both sides of the river. Wow. Now that's a big tree. When you've got a river running through it, or grow, it's growing on both sides. I don't, I don't know exactly how it is, but he said it's on both sides of the river. And it has 12 different kinds of fruit. It's a fruit cocktail tree. Yeah. And it bears its fruit every month. Does anybody like fresh fruit? I don't mean the green stuff. I mean the ripe stuff. You know, when it's good and ripe, when it's just perfect Oh, my goodness, there will always be a fresh supply of fruit because it's never barren. Hallelujah. You can eat from the tree of life. Hallelujah. You know, fruit trees are amazing anyway. I mean, and it all comes from a tiny seed. And you take that tiny seed and you put it in what? Dirt. <laughs> dirt, and then you water it. So dirt plus water plus a seed, and boom, you get a fruit tree. That's amazing to me. Only God could put all of that in a tiny seed. And my friends, I can't wait to see the tree of life. It is going to be a sight to behold. And not only is the fruit special and the tree special, but John said the leaves are for the healing of the nations. The leaves are going to be energizing, life-giving leaves that bring health to those who eat from the tree. My friend, when we get to heaven, everything we lost in the Garden of Eden is going to be restored to us and so much more. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. What a picture of heaven. Look at verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither lie the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Did you hear that first part of verse 3? There'll be no more curse. Hallelujah. You remember in Genesis 3 when the curse was handed down? That when Adam was cursed... That the ground was now going to bring forth thorns and weeds and thistles and everything. And now, what used to be easy work, now by the sweat of his brow, he was going to have to cut down those weeds and thistles and he was going to have to provide for his family. Now it was going to be hard labor. You know, that curse is the reason things go wrong today. 
The reason things fall apart today, the reason that work is hard now is because of the curse. But there the curse is going to be gone. Hallelujah. All these things that make us long for another place with no more curse. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. This is the city that all of God's children are longing for. It will be an eternity of bliss in the presence of God, one day that will never, ever end. Hallelujah. Well, what are we going to be doing there, Pastor Doug? You know, I, I'm not really sure, but I will tell you this. We're not going to be gods ruling over our own planets, as some false religions teach. Uh, that's what Mormonism teaches. They, teaches. they they teach that we're all going to be gods over our own planet. Well, I tell you what, they don't serve the Jesus we serve, and you can tell them that uh, whenever they come by your house. Uh, we will still be completely dependent upon God himself. We'll be serving him. We'll be worshiping him. We'll be sharing his glory, his joy, and his peace. We'll be reigning by his side during the millennial reign. And we will forever be known as the people of God. And his name will be right here in our foreheads. Hallelujah. Owned by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb of God. Look at verse 6 now. And he said to me, these things are faithful and true. And the Lord God, the holy prophet, sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly, and blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Now, Jesus speaks in the middle of this vision here, and he says two things. Number one, he is coming quickly. We need to stay ready and stay watching for his return. Uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, Verse 37, blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he comes shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he will gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. My friend Jesus is coming quickly. He's coming in the twinkling of an eye. That's quicker than you can bat your eye. A, twinkly, a twinkle is, when, is the amount of time it takes for the light to twinkle off your eye. That's quicker than you can blink your eye. That's how fast Jesus is going to come when the rapture takes place. And so the first thing he says is, I'm coming quickly. The second thing he says, that there is a blessing to those who take heed to the prophecies of this book. You remember that John started this book with a blessing. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 3, he said, Blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So my friends, there's a blessing for those who read it. We've been reading it. We've been studying it. And now at the end of the book, Jesus says there's a blessing to those who take heed to the words of this prophecy. Hallelujah. So we've got, we got a blessing coming our way. Amen. Look at verse 8 now. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then said he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am your fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. So what did John do after seeing all these things in his vision? 
Well, he started to worship the angel, didn't he? I mean, he really didn't know what to do. He was just overwhelmed with everything. Can you imagine seeing the new Jerusalem and all the, the 12 foundations, the gates of pearl, the wall of jasper, and you're seeing, and then Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. Blessed are those who keep this book. It would be so overwhelming that you know, he, just started, he just fell down and just started worshiping the angel. But the angel said, listen, no, 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 don't worship me. You worship God. Now that's very important because I'm going to tell you why. Angel worship is growing in America. Angel worship, people are worshiping angels now. I came across something recently on the internet where you can supposedly find out the name of your guardian angel and you can start talking to them. That's a bunch of hogwash. There's a Greek word for that, baloney. <laughs> Maybe that's a German word, I don't know, but... <laughs> That's a lie for the devil. We are not to seek out angels, and we're not to go looking for demons either. We are to seek Jesus. And if a demon comes around, Jesus can help you handle it. Amen? But angel worship is growing in America. Something else, you know, there are some Catholics who are trying to get the Pope to name Mary as co-redeemer with Christ. Let me tell you something, church. We are never instructed to worship angels or Mary or anybody but God alone. We are to worship God alone. In fact, God is so specific about this that in the Ten Commandments, uh, the Ten Commandments tells us not to make any graven image of anything in heaven or earth or under the earth uh, to, in order to worship it. It's in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. Listen to what God says. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now, so God said, don't even make any graven image of anything even in heaven. This means, I believe, that we shouldn't even, we shouldn't even make a statue of Jesus because there'll be people who'll be tempted to worship the statue instead of Jesus himself. Jesus deserves all the glory himself. And so we don't need to have a statue or a graven image made of God or Jesus or angels or anything. Because, my friend, we serve a living God. We serve a risen Savior. Amen? Hallelujah. Look at verse 10 now. He said to me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. For the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Now notice the angel told John not to seal the prophecy of this book. And I'm glad he didn't, aren't you? Because the, reading we're, the reason we're reading this and studying this now is because God wants us to know. He wants everybody to know what he has in store for his people. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes when we're waiting for something exciting to happen, some exciting event that we've got planned that's coming up around the corner, sometimes it seems like it'll never get here, won't it? You know, maybe a graduation or maybe a wedding or some other great thing. It just, it seems like time slows down. 
and that it would never get here. But then you kept, you were patient, and then the day finally came. My friend, the same is true with us waiting on Jesus. We get so homesick for heaven sometimes that it seems like, Lord, when are you ever going to come? Lord, when is this ever going to happen? My friend, don't worry. Everything is going to happen just the way Jesus said it would. And it's going to happen in his perfect time. It's going to happen. It may not happen when we want it to. It may not come as fast as, or it may come quicker than we think it will. Because my friend Jesus could come back tonight. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go if Jesus comes back tonight? You know, when he comes, our destiny will be set because of the choices that we've made. God allows each person to prove their character. That's what he was talking about here in verse 11 when he says, The unjust will remain unjust. The filthy will remain filthy. Uh, the holy will remain holy. When, when God judges, uh, the way they are is the way they're going to stay for eternity. In other words, God is going to judge each one righteously. So I want to ask you tonight, are you ready to go to heaven? What kind of choices have you made uh, to make sure that you're ready to go to heaven? My friend, the main choice is to commit your life to Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive you of your sin. And that way you'll know that you're ready to go to heaven. Look at verse 12. Again, Jesus interjects here. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have rights to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For outside are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idol, idol worshipers and whosoever loves and makes a lie. Now, Jesus, Jesus speaks directly here to those who are reading this book. So Jesus is speaking directly to us here. This is, this is to us and anyone else who will read this book. And he reminds us that he is coming quickly. And there are rewards that he will give to those who do right. You know, salvation is not obtained by works. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But there will be rewards based on what we do here for the Lord. Every time that you've witnessed to someone about the Lord, you're going to be rewarded for it. Every time you've prayed, every time you've read the Bible, every time you've shared your testimony with somebody, you're going to be rewarded for it. Every time you help somebody in need, Jesus is going to reward you for it. Hallelujah. And verse 15, Jesus lists those who will not be in the new Jerusalem. Now, he said that outside there are dogs. Now, that word dogs refers to the legalistic, self-righteous religious leaders. You know, those leaders who knew better. They knew what the word said, but instead of teaching people what the word said, they gave them legalism or they gave them a self-righteous message or they gave them a feel-good message instead of giving the word of God. God calls them a dog. Those people who misled other innocent people are not going to be welcome there. And then he says, the sexually immoral are not going to be there. The murderers are not going to be there. You know, 1 John chapter 3, verse 15 says this, that whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. If you hate somebody, you've killed them already in your heart. And that, my friend, will keep you out of the new Jerusalem. 
So whatever you do, you need to forgive them. Tonight, you need to give them over to God and say, God, I need you to handle this. I can't. I can't carry this burden no more. I need you to take this from me. Hallelujah. And then, of course, he said the sexually immoral were not going to be there. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. My friends, if you, if you have a, a lust problem, if you can't control your eyes, my friend, pornography is sin and it will keep you out of heaven if you don't get it under control, if you don't repent of it. My friend, these are things that will keep us out of heaven. He mentions sorcerers. That word sorcery there, the Greek word for that is pharmakia. It's where we get our English word pharmacy. This refers to drug abusers, drug dealers, those who, do, who are not saved, those who are not set free. Uh, you know, we read this morning a, a, a testimony from someone who's in teen challenge. My friend, God can forgive and he can set people free from drug addictions. But those who choose not to repent and turn their back on God, they will not be there. He said idol worshipers will not be there. And all those who make and enjoy a lie will not be there. My friend, these are the people who will not be in the new Jerusalem. Look at verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and the morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears say, come. And let him that is thirsty come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. My friend, Jesus is signing this book personally. That's what he's doing right here. He is signing this. He's giving a personal invitation. This is the only book in the Bible where Jesus signs it personally himself, where he gives an invitation like this. The Holy Spirit and the bride. Who are the, who's the bride? We are. We are. Jesus the groom. We are the bride. And so the Holy Spirit and the bride tells everyone, come. Come, come go with us to heaven. And whoever longs for the river of life, come and get a drink. Hallelujah, come, praise God. We should want everybody to go with us. Just like a, a great vacation spot that you've been to, and when you come back, you want to tell everybody, oh, you've got to go see this. That's the way we should be about heaven, even though we've never been there yet. But we should get, we, when we read stuff like this in the Word of God, it should create such a hunger for us that we should want to tell everybody, oh, you'll never guess what I learned about heaven last night at church. Let me show you what the Bible says. My friend, we should want to tell everybody about it. Hallelujah. Look at verse 18 now. For I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. You know, there's something special about the book of Revelation. That we are commanded by Jesus not to add or subtract anything from this book. If we add to it, God will add plagues to us. If we take away from it, God will take away our name from the book of life. 
which means God watches over his word. And he takes it seriously whenever someone changes his word. Like those dogs I was telling you about earlier. The religious leaders, the people who know what the word says, but then fail to teach it and preach it correctly. They're going to be held accountable for that. And so God watches over his word. And so this book of Revelation, this book of prophecy, has this special warning attached to it. Look at verse 20 now. He which testifies these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Did you notice three times in this chapter Jesus says, I come quickly. Three times Jesus says that. And you know, after seeing all these things that John saw that we read about and studied about, after seeing the trumpet judgments, the vile judgments, the sealed judgments, and after seeing all the rewards that God has for his people and how that God delivered his people, after seeing the 144,000 sealed witnesses, after seeing the two witnesses that do signs and wonders and seeing the Antichrist defeated, after, ever, after seeing everything, John sums it up this way, even so, come Lord Jesus. My friend, that should be our response to this book as well because of all the things we've learned. You know, it's true the Revelation has a lot of scary images and events and things like it, but it doesn't end with them. It ends with an invitation. These things are written here not to scare us, but to invite us to the marriage supper of the Lamb, to invite us to make Jesus our Lord and find as many people as possible and take them to heaven with us. Hallelujah. And that's the book of Revelation. This has been Strong Meat for Strong Believers. If this broadcast was a blessing to you, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at revivalfire29 at yahoo.com or call me at 964-5333 and visit Raven Assembly of God's website at ravenag.org and find out more information about our church. This is Pastor Doug Johnson reminding you to keep your head up. God is on your side. And join me next time for more Strong Meat for Strong Believers.